Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week is another huge one for me. One of the most transformational bands of all time. We get to hear from the original rude boy, Neville Staple. So Neville, as most people know, starts out with the specials in the late 70s, early 80s. Maybe the most important ska band in history. I mean, those guys changed everything with that two-tone movement that, uh, you know, bands like The Selector and, and The English Beat and Madness were a part of this. They put out one of the greatest uh, debut albums in history, their self-titled album from 79 or 80, depending on where you are. So, so good. Well, after one more album that starts to kind of expand the horizons of what ska is and what the specials are as a band, he and Terry Hall and Linville Golding go off and they start the Fun Boy 3. And those guys put out a couple albums. And it gets even kind of weirder. You know, the, the sound, the music gets way more expansive, uh, way more exotic. Well, then they come to an end. And ever since then, I mean, he's done, you know, the specials. He's come back to the specials. Now he's doing his own thing, the Neville Staple Band. They put out an excellent album last year called Return of Judge Roughneck. This is his story. I've mentioned before my cousin Rick that he was, my, I didn't have an older brother. He kind of served that role for me. And the, uh, the major influence his CD collection was on me as a young teenager, he had that debut specials album and it changed my whole world. And I'm not exaggerating. So um, anyway, this was a huge honor. I just thought it would be really interesting to hear what Neville Staple is like. And uh, I have a little story in the beginning about where I, I met him once. He probably doesn't remember. But anyway, I hope you will enjoy this conversation just hearing what it's like talking to a legend. He called me from his home in Coventry, England. You and I have met before, actually. Back in the 90s, I saw the specials with you fronting them in concert many, many times. Uh, it was in Denver, Colorado, where I live. And the girl I was with, Carrie Wall, we were front and center. And uh, and I think you liked her because you, you know, motioned for us to come, <laughs> for her maybe, just to come backstage. <laughs> and so <laughs> the two of us went backstage and you were very clearly disappointed that she was with me. And it wasn't even uh -oh. a date, but that I had come along. Because <laughs> I dragged her to the concert. And uh, okay. so I was the one more excited to meet you. And then uh, I still have, to this day, the the water bottle that you were drinking uh -oh. backstage when we met. And I still have uh -oh. your autograph on a little, on a receipt or something like that. So I just, I have held on to those things for, I don't know, 25 years now almost. Wow. Yeah. Um, can I get the bottle and uh, so I can put it in uh, my collection? I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's uh, you guys. The specials were major for me when I, I, I discovered you guys when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And at the time, I was really primarily listening to pop radio. And so discovering this new music that. I'd never heard before and was so strange and different and yet really good. Completely broadened my mind. I had the same experience around the same time discovering the English beat. And I had Ranking Roger on here about a year and a half ago, two years ago, talking about the same thing. So anyway, you guys have been major yeah. in my life. But now, wow. speak, speaking of seeing you guys live, like I said, I saw you three or four times there in the 90s. And then about a year and a half ago... The specials were coming back through Denver again, and I was so excited because I hadn't seen anybody in a long time. And Terry was there this time, but you weren't. 
So what's where? What's going on? Where? I don't know if there's drama. I don't really know the story. What is? Uh, what's the distinction? The story is, I went back with you know the reunion for the uh, three three tours, but then after that, I just fancied doing my own thing again because if you can remember when I was living in America, uh, California. I was doing my own band, Neville Staple Band. Mm -hmm. So when I came back over here and uh, the specials were reforming, I thought, well, you know, I missed it myself for the fans who liked or loved the scene of specials and me mm -hmm. jumping around. Mm -hmm. So after a while, I just thought, well, let me go and do my own thing. I uh, came back and um, the people who didn't know the specials saw me plus the rest of them. So mm -hmm. now that's no drama in me, in me leaving. Okay, that's good. I didn't know if you and Terry didn't get along or something. When you're when you're with the specials, I mean Terry's the front man. You're more the toaster. You're sort of the party starter, dancing and toasting. But when it's, it, do you prefer it when it's your band and you're fronting your group of people? Is that a better dynamic for you? Yeah, because um, you see my band. They know what I'm like mm -hmm. when I'm on stage, and everybody seems to enjoy themselves. They really enjoy playing in the Neville Staple Band. Um, it's more fun, and we're not restricted. Um, like if a song message to you is three and a half minutes, well, my band, we play to what the crowd wants. be longer i might get them singing at the end uh, message to you you know what i mean mm -hmm. or if we do ghost band my band we just play to the crowd crowd once more we just carry on with the song and doing different instrumental get the uh, the uh, crowd to sing it's kind of more looser do you primarily tour around the uk because I, I don't believe you come to the states very often at all do you if ever no i'm, I'm working on the i'm coming to the states in about a couple of months we're just waiting on some other when my wife, she's got some paperwork she's sorting yeah. out for me. Okay. 
Because she manages me as well, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And are any of the older, um, like is Roddy or Horace or any of those guys, are they playing with you or are they out in the current version of specials? I see you guys kind of bouncing around. I saw Linville one time with the English beat. It seems like everyone just sort of plays with each other. No, to be honest with you, over here, I'm doing a lot of tour with the Neville Staple Band, but I always uh, try and get Roddy to come on stage um, with me, just, you know, because he's in Coventry, just lives up the road, and uh, we've got nothing, uh, there's no amosity amount amongst us. Jerry, I see Jerry, but he lives in London. Now, with Linval, he lives in Seattle, so I can't really... Yeah, he's a Seattle man. I didn't realize that. And where are you located? I'm living in Coventry. And like I said, Roddy's in Coventry as well. Okay. Cool. And Horace is in Coventry. Great. Okay. So I want to go back to the beginning a little bit. You know, the the as you've you've heard it a million times, the two tone label and movement was such a radical idea at the time. But I've I've always wondered if you guys if that was premeditated, if at the time, are you guys just a bunch of friends who decide to kind of come together and start a band and jo- and kind of jam in a garage? Or was there a political purpose? Like we are going to show the world that you can have blacks and whites coming together, making music th- together. Was it that planned out? Yes, mainly that. that was, that's what it was. Let's go back. Jerry um, had the idea because he was from, uh, he went to a college I was off the street. Um, (laughs) So basically he had the idea because around Coventry, there's a lot of fighting against the national front and they used to fight the blacks and whatever nationality thing. So Jerry got the band together to sing those songs. And basically what he done, he got different backgrounds to be in the band. So my background was um, off the street background. Mm-hmm. And he needed that kind of toasting. I was on the sound system. Mm-hmm. So he kind of knew that uh, that's what my background. And I was a bit of a rude boy. Mm-hmm. Not naughty, naughty, but <laughs> the way I used to dress. Sure. Uh, anyway, so we got together. Well, Joe got together and he got a couple of the uh, guys with him. Terry was not with them at the time. Brad was not with them at the time. And I was with them, but I was just uh, tidying up wires. I was a roadie. So after being a roadie, um, when they were rehearsing down the Hollyhead Youth Club, Jerry and uh, Linval and Horace and the different singer, that's when I used to go around, you know, these little gigs with them. Mm -hmm. So one day, uh, I might be jumping the gun, but one day when I was uh, with them in London, um, I started DJing and, to- well, toasting, but they call it DJ now. Mm-hmm. I uh, was toasting, and then Jerry says, come on, because the crowd uh, shone the spotlight on me, and the crowd goes and started getting excited because you know what I'm like. I'm a bit mm-hmm. of an energetic entertainer, basically. Yep. And so they called me on stage, and uh, that was it. I was in the special. Wow. I, do you, I mean, I'm sure you have many times looked back and thought, how, I mean, you were off the streets, as you said. How how different your life would have turned out had this not happened to you? Because I don't know if you were aspiring to a career in music at the time. Did it just sort of happen? No, no, no. I grew up um, with music from Jamaica okay. and came to England. And I was still involved in music with my sound okay. system from my cousin. So I've always been an entertainer at school, at home, at clubs. So in some way, if it weren't the specials, I would still have been entertaining. But uh, with the special, it did bring the black and whites together in Coventry. But regardless of that, still, I would have been uh, entertaining and DJing and things like that. Got it. Okay. So this is what you were meant to do from the beginning, it sounds like. You would have found a way. Somehow. Okay. What were those early days like? I mean, tell me some of your percent. I mean, I want to throw some names out there because these bands mean a lot to me. Give me some stories about, you know, early days with Ranking Roger and Dave Wakeling. To be honest with you, um, they used to, uh, the way I know them is because they just lived down the road, Birmingham. They used to rehearse and they've done a few shows with the specials. So that's how I got to know 
Dave and Roger, because they supported us in a couple of shows. Then I got to know them more. Mm -hmm. Are you still friendly with them? I'm friendly with Roger and I'm friendly with Dave. When Dave comes to England, I'm, I go to shows. We still talk about old times. Good. Roger lives up down the road, so I see him regularly. Great. Was there any kind of competition? Because Dave is an amazing songwriter. And yes, English Beat were kind of a, were a ska band, but he was writing really beautiful, incredible pop songs that fit in a ska structure. Was there ever any kind of competition between you and them and Selector and Madness and these other bands that, you know, were all coming out at the same time? No, we were always doing our own thing because when the special started, remember was doing about what's been going on. Although I used to sing as well, the lead singer, I was lead singer as well. But we was just doing our own thing. And it so happens these bands, Jerry wanted these bands on the record two-tone label. So there was no competition at all because it was like, okay, we've, we're the first one who started the specials and we had the label. So we got Madness, The Beat, Body Snatchers, everybody on board. I mean, so that means, you know, I mean, basically what I'm saying now, it wasn't a competition because we got them aboard. Okay. Tell me, you know, what, when you look back at those early days, I, I, I believe Gangsters was your first single that comes out, makes a big splash. feeling when you go from being you know this street kid to suddenly hearing yourself on the radio and maybe even top of the pops and playing big shows and stuff like that how does your life change how did you celebrate the the success well to be honest with you it was quite fantastic because um i've always wanted to be on tv mm. um because i was i saw millie small and desmond decker so i thought oh that'd be great so I don't know how to explain this, to be honest with you. Hmm. Okay. Would you, I mean, tell me about those first few times when you heard yourself on the radio, though. Did you, you know, did you run home and tell your parents? Were you, did you celebrate? Did you get a big royalty check somewhere and you went and bought a new car or a <laughs> new suit or something like that? No, you know why? Um, I was excited to hear myself on the TV. Uh -huh. Well, see myself and hear myself on the radio. But as for cars and clothes, I always had nice clothes. That's why they call me rude boy. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah, you dress rude. Uh -huh. You look rude. That's where it comes from. You dress, you know, looking slick. Uh -huh. And uh, they, would, they would say, boy, you look rude, right? Or boy, <laughs> you dress rude. That's where rude boy comes so from. I've always wondered. Okay. All right, rude boy as well. Just not that... Uh, in Jamaica, from Peter Tosh, Bob Marley, Trenchtown, um, they used to have some gunmen. That's what they used to call them rude boys. Got it. So then there's the other side that's called rude boys, like I just explained to you. Mm -hmm. Dressing, smart, nice. So we're the good rude boys, if you know what I mean. Got it. I sure so, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't go with the other rude boys that came out of uh, Jamaica. Although in Jamaica, you had those rude boys. And like my dad... All the folks, they used to dress nice, look nice. So we call them rude. Oh, you're dressed rude. Mm, okay, now it makes sense. So how did how did you guys get hooked up with Elvis Costello to produce the first album? Um, to be honest with you, we loved what he'd done. And he liked the specials. 
and we needed a producer. So the idea came, I cannot remember how the idea came, but everybody was up for it, for uh, Elvis to produce us because we loved his music so much. So the idea, and it was brilliant. It was brilliant working in the studio with, with Elvis. Good. That, I mean, you know this, the first specials album is one of the greatest albums of all time. It doesn't matter the genre or the decade or whatever. I mean, that's just a classic. Were you, was, was the specials primarily Jerry Dammer's vision? Is, would you say that he was kind of the, the guy who ruled the roost? Was he in charge? He started a two-tone label. It was him who said, okay, let's get different individual, individual black, white, Let's get together and form the specials. He was writing the songs. Although a lot of people don't know this, I used to um, put little bits in the songs as well, like Too Much Too Young, Monkey Man. quite a few songs I've done, many of the special um, songs. Um, so to, to, for me, and um, doing the stuff with Jerry, it was putting the, um, um, the I must say, the black side across, but got it. different nationalities. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. It was all, everybody had their own different input to the band. Got it. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. You know, the second album comes around, more specials. It's less of a... Uh, raw ska sound. It's the it's starting to evolve. And then, of course, when you by the time you come to Fun Boy Three, you've changed completely. Is that because did you did you feel that Ska's time was over? Were you sort of tired of it? Is it like the punk scene where punk was really big for a minute, but then it sort of went away? What influenced the change in sound? To be honest with you, I think we we stepped a little bit too quick in the second album. Hmm. Um, after a while, I thought. I mean, I don't know what the rest. So I thought we should have just kept on doing another album like the first album but jerry had the insight or his vision was to step up but i think he it stepped up too quickly mm. and was there was it ever a possibility to bring elvis back to produce that second album yeah it would have been nice but i guess you know he got busy as well and it would have been nice for him to do the second album because we'd have had the same kind of flow right right okay so then what uh I like both albums a lot. The first one is just a classic. The second is almost equally as good. But what influences the change then to Fun Boy 3? Are the, you, Linville, and Terry, are you just kind of, are you tired of it? Do you feel like you're writing new songs that don't fit in the specials? How, why does that happen? 
basically what it was when the special work on a fit members of the band we weren't getting on a hundred percent and um we just needed a change it wasn't no fighting to leave or anything like that we just fancied a change and so we thought all right let's give this a go and we can write some other different stuff but i was never fed up of scar never fed up of two-tone it was just like a little stepping stone for a little bit of change you know what i mean huh really i've always wondered if the feeling was that ska had sort of run its course would you have ever guessed that the music that you made in 1978-79 would still be as hot and uh you know i don't know popular as it is today there's a lot of bands uh, young bands coming up they're playing their version of ska so ska hasn't died at all no. in in england or in Jamaica, it's only in America where you're getting these raps, mm. you know. And uh, but uh, Scott hasn't died in England at all, no. not one little bit. There's all new bands that they okay. grew up listening to the songs from their dad. Sure, sure, okay, yeah. So was the uh, was Fun Boy Three? I mean, what brought that to an end? Was that a, a satisfying creative endeavor for you? I got fed up, you know, I'm not trying to say. I got fed up after a while doing a Fun Boy 3 thing. It was great when it happened, mm -hmm. but uh, at the time, I wanted to go back to my Scar, my mm. roots, because Scar had never died for me, never, ever. I grew up with it, so. Mm -hmm. And um, after that change with the Fun Boy 3, I just thought, let me go back. And that's when I started my own band. And then, no, sorry, Special B as well came. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing, went back to doing the Scar. Got but it. no, 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 I've always loved Scar, okay. always. Okay. How did uh, Bananarama get involved with Funboy 3? Bananarama, we needed some backing vocals and we heard about these three girls who was just starting to sing. So we said, oh, let's give them a, uh, a little break, a little try. <laughs> so they came on, done the um, backing vocals. They couldn't, they weren't used to being in the studio. So when they came in the studio, they were a bit shy. 
And uh, one of them said, oh, we always remember this, Neville. When we came in, we were shy and you took us under your wings and you told told us not to be shy, you know, because I get on with most people and I know how to deal mm-hmm. or talk to people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that made it more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, that was nice to hear. Yeah. Who would have guessed then that they would have gone on to be gigantic? What, did you oh, thought, geez, yeah. Did you think they had star quality when you met them? With a bit of work, yeah. yeah. But then my mate, Pete Waterman, he saw the insights of getting them to do, because he was doing um, Stock Ake in Waterman. That's mm-hmm. my mate, Pete. Um, yeah. I, knew him, I knew him before all of this. So he saw the insight of getting these girls together and, you, you know, pushing them, writing songs for them. Mm-hmm. And because they were very poppy, um, that's what kind of lifted them up into the uh, stardom, if you want to call it that. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that there are three beautiful women, too. <laughs> you know, looks don't hurt either. No. Well, at the time, we were just friends, to be honest with you. Sure. And um, I, was a, I was a gentleman. I believe. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? No oh, shit. That's great. That's no, great. No, no. Come on. <laughs> oh, I think that's hilarious. I don't know that I, I can. you're holding I think you're holding it against me when you came and all you got to see me was a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No. I just, uh, I know that if I were around Siobhan Fahey, I don't know that I, I would. I mean, I'd do my best to be a gentleman, but it would, she, I've had a crush on her since I was a little kid. So, uh, I oh, really? Imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. So you must have found it a bit. Strange, and when she married Dan, Dave Stewart, I did find it strange. Yeah, I did. I there was a you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, yeah, she ended up with Dave, so that was quite good. Yeah, yeah, good for her. I got to see her uh, in concert with Shakespeare's sister. I lived in England briefly in 1991 in Cambridge, and so I saw them at the Corn Exchange there in Cambridge once. Okay. And that was a great show. Um, I'm glad she's back. I I think she. Probably went through some tough times. It sounds like she's out the other end of some of that stuff now. So yeah, when, that's good. That's nice. Yeah. So part of the one of the things that we talk about on here very sensitively is sort of the business side of things. I'm assuming that basically since gangsters took off, you've been able well, probably even before that, you've been able to make a living as a professional musician for what, forty over forty years now, probably, correct? Yeah, so yeah, it's been very good. I can't complain about that. But in them days, you didn't come out as uh, being a millionaire because uh, the way the record industry were at that time, artists didn't see a lot of their money. So when Funboy Three came to an end, where did you? What did you do after that? Because it it seems like, you know, maybe your your lifeline or your stability. Was, you'd been in the specials for a few years, then Funboy 3 for a while. Now it's kind of wide open. What do you decide to do with your life after that? I said, okay, Neville, let's see what you're going to do. I moved to America. I was playing my own thing, Neville Staple and the Hitmen. Mm. Um, I played, I just enjoyed it. It was a different type of uh, feeling because when we played the Scar over there, it's a lot faster. Mm. Really? Faster so, in the, in oh, the yeah, US? faster than. Yeah. Why? It's kind of a different scar. Why? What 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 makes it so? Um, because um, it, it's played a lot more rocky and a lot more scar, fast scar. Ja, 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 ja. Even though gangsters and all those are fast, it's just a different type of... Uh, it's your interpretation of the Americans doing it. Hmm. And um, I brought my feeling from England. I've uh, got my band set up over there. And then we just played my feel of uh, Scar from America. Mm. I mixed the English Scar that I knew um, with the uh, young lads starting to play Scar in America. Got it. Okay. Now, when this is all going on, especially in those, uh, the 80s British alternative rock is just my absolute sweet spot. When you're, you know, the specials are starting to break and you're playing bigger shows and maybe doing Top of the Pops and stuff, are you meeting any of your heroes? Are you, you know, seeing David Bowie or um, who else? I don't know, Mick Jagger. Or are you sharing bills with some of your favorite bands? What what was that like? Who were you meeting? Uh, um, I've met um, Bono, Paul McCartney. Um, oh gosh, I should name so many people from The Clash. 
um, Sex Pistols, The Damned, The Cure. It, oh, it, it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, you know, when you meet them, it's like, oh, now with me, it's like, oh, hi, you're right. <laughs> when some people might go, oh, shall I say something? Shall I? But me, I'll just go and introduce myself. And then, and that's it. We just talk normal. I don't go. Oh, I've been listening to you. Oh, I love your music. We just got on like yeah. we would normally. Well, I do anyway. Yeah. Um. When I when I saw them, I said, Oh, I was listening to that new record. You don't love it? Mm. Just simple as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then seeing them, it was like, Oh, I heard their record yesterday. But in my line of musical career. We do meet uh, a lot of musicians, so it's not like, whoa, oh, God, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I, I just took it in my stride because that, that's how I wanted to be, and that's how I am anyway. Okay. Who were some of the, who were these, some of the bands that uh, were around that time that you really liked? They don't even have to be ska bands, but, you know, this is the period of the Echo and the Bunnymen and the Psychedelic Furs and all those kinds of bands. Who were some of your favorite bands that you liked and listened to back then? Well, like like I said, um, the Clash. Mm, I did like psychedelic prayer. I mean, there's quite a few of them I used to like from before. The Damned, the uh, like Cure, um, mm-hmm. like you said as well. Yeah, there's so many that yeah like before. That's not like Scar. Yeah, yeah, okay. And speaking of which, how did now? How did David Byrne come on to produce that second Fun Boy Three album? Consequences, altered cases. Broken noses, altered faces, my ego altered, altered egos, wherever I go, so does me go. Walk through the fields where the flowers are growing, carve out your names on the first tree. You see there are 22 catches when you strike your matches and get down on your knees in the tunnel of love. Incredible. Yes. The same thing I was saying again, we love talking heads. And we was doing the next um the album and we thought, who could we get um get to do it that we liked and loved? So we thought, oh ding, David Byrne, because at the time we went to see him in concert a few times and uh, we'd spoken to him. It, it was just a lovely, lovely chap. Good. I don't know of a lot of other albums that he produced that weren't his own. Uh, I'm kind of surprised no. that he, you know, did this for you. He must have been a big fan of yours as well. Yes, um, he did like the um, what we've done with specials and Fun Boy 3. And um, we just got on like a house on fire, like when we met him at his shows and stuff. And so we just thought, like I said, let's let's ask him if he, want, if he, he would like to produce us. And he says yes. So that was great for us. Hmm. Okay. During this time, did you come and tour the States? back in those late 70s, early 80s days with either of those bands? Yeah, I mean, there were the specials. Specials or Fun Boy 3. I did. I mean, I know Terry was involved with Jane Weedland from Go-Go's, and that's how Our Lips Are Sealed happened.
you guys do a big tour of America or anything like that? Yeah, the specials did, and uh, specials too did, and um, Lemonade Drop, and Neville Staple Band as well. The Neville Staple Band, the Hitman, when I lived there, we'd, we'd done a big tour of America. Okay. So yeah, three of, three of the bands that we've toured all over America. I wondered in those early days, you know, your first time maybe passing through the States, what your impressions were. Maybe you're playing a, a show in like Oklahoma City or something like that. Some, you know, middle America cowboy town that you probably never guessed you would have ever, you know, been to. But here you are playing with a bunch of your buddies. Yeah, well, you see, again, some places they didn't like uh, blacks hmm. mixing um, with white guys playing. So it didn't really bother me, but I knew some of those places we played, it was very racist. Mm -hmm. um, but like the specials, we played anywhere because we, we weren't going to be stopped because there's some black and, and white mixing. But uh, in those places you're on about, yes, we did get a bit of that, even in Chicago. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's certain part of America when we first started playing there, it... Uh, it was a bit racist. Some some of the places. I'm not saying all of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's still the case in some places. Unfortunately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still going on. So okay. So when I started seeing you guys around the mid '90s with the Today's Specials album. By the way, I've always loved Goodbye Girl. That's one of my very favorite songs of yours. You know, what happened that that seemed like the time to do a big push for the specials back in the States and for you guys to go on a, on a tour and everything? All right. Um, because the, uh, in America, they haven't really had a lot of special stuff. They were listening to it, but they didn't see anybody who was in those bands. So we got the two bands together, Special Beat, and we said, okay, let's play in America again, because a lot of um, American uh, fans hadn't seen, they just heard of the special and just heard of the beat. So we just said, oh, let's take this over to um, America. And it went down pretty well, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I wondered if a record label came to you in like 1995 or something and said, you know, we there's a ska kind of explosion going on in the States right now with bands like Rancid and Real Big Fish and, you know, Voodoo Glow Skulls. I know you know a lot of these people. Let's resurrect yeah. those great pioneering ska bands from before and put them back out there because there's a market now for people appreciating ska that maybe hadn't been there before. Were you privy to those well, conversations? Did that happen? Yeah, that's what happened, to be honest with you. Um, we just thought, well, a lot of people, like I've heard about the specials, about the beat so let's bring back uh, a bit of scar so they can hear it now and that was the reason why we just got back together myself and Rankin Roger and a few other guys we just brought it over let's play scar so the masses can hear it who hadn't heard it before yeah yeah okay that's what I figured and it's been pretty good ever since I mean uh, I don't know I mean the the Terry Hall version of the specials completed a pretty successful tour a year or two ago 
I assume things are still good for you over there. The the thirst for ska never goes away. Then no, no, that's what I'm saying. That right now, I'm really loving it. I do a lot of shows all over England, Europe. I've been to Hong Kong, mm. Japan with my band, and they still love ska. Mm-hmm. Now the return. So I do a lot of touring. Good. And the return of Jeff, Judge Red Roughneck. That's a great album. And you have been brought in front of me. Under serious crime. And the crime is. Grievous badly harm. Cause I'm. Recent new album, right? Yeah, yes. Um, Because that's just me. I'm playing what I like, what I like, and how I see the music changing. So Judd Rothneck is really what it's in my heart. You know, when I played that or recorded that album, I've got to say though, not that I'm getting old, but my wife, she helps produce that and we write the. lyrics together on that album so i guess you're going to get something different a different feel because she grew up um listening to scar as well so i kind of combine what she knew and what i know and we put them together because we're married now and she used to love specials of a band then the great idea was then let's get this together babes and um that's why we came out with judge roughneck and uh judge roughneck is a is a song that I've done with the specials. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, I do intro um, intros and songs. Hush up, quoting session, stuff Love like it. that. Love it. And um, oh no, no, give me no more picnic. Stuff uh-huh. like that. You know, a lot of people don't think I've I've written a lot in the specials, but um, that's your flavor. I enjoy writing. Yeah. My flavor, my f- flavor is what you'll hear on Judge Rothnick. That's how I kind of see it going. That's how I felt at the time. So I can see people might think, oh, that's all of the album. And I'll say, yes, I'm glad you like it because it's how I'm feeling. It's how my whole thing about the scar mm-hmm. is coming out. Yeah. Okay. And tell me more about your wife. Her name's Christine. She's been, she performs with you. How long have you guys been married? Oh, we've been married about four years. She's standing on my shoulder now. Um, <laughs> oh no, she's gone back. She's gone back in the other room. Okay, but but she's fine. She's she's great. She's got her own album coming out. She keeps me on the straight and narrow. Um, she helps me a lot with the writing now, and like I say, production work. And she's hiding. I'm just going to let you say hello, but she's hiding. That's okay. Tell her hi for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hi, Chris. <laughs> in this day and age, is there I mean, I'm I'm curious when I talk to artists like yourself who uh continue to put out new music because you know the business is not the way that it used to be where that music is gonna get widely heard or distributed or purchased, especially. Do you still find a is there still a fire inside of you though to write new music, record new music, get it out there, or is that sort of dying down? No, no, for, uh, for me, it's not. And But for a lot of bands, though, they're using that America Got Talent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the young bands who's coming with their own stuff, they're not getting the push because they're, again, the record sales are different, record companies are different. 
And um, so the new bands, they're having it hard. Yeah, yeah. When you play live, I mean, uh, how many? How much is new stuff versus classic stuff? Um, I mix it half and half. Good. Uh, put, put some new um, half and half. Some that I I like. Some old reggae that I like. Some of the specials reggae, and some of them like I say reggae ska, and then some of what we're writing now. So it's three different slots you could call it. The specials, my own music. And songs that I like from before, like Stranger Cold. Yeah. Pressure Drop. So I do these kind of, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Pressure Drop. Only Too Bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Could you now another kind of, and if this is, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I think it's something that people are curious about. Could you just sit back and live off like specials royalties for the rest of your life if you wanted to? No, I wish. That's what I'm saying. In the days um, when a lot of bands clash, everybody mm-hmm. thought that everybody thought we were making money, but the uh, management, record companies, they were making all the money. The only way we make money now is doing live shows, which that's how the business is. Yeah. But that's how I, I, I'm an entertainer, so I've still got to do it. Good. Okay. You can't depend on um, uh, record companies and stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm not rich, rich, rich. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I get by. Right. Um, but I still tour. But like I said, the record companies, management used to do it rip your money off yeah yeah that's what i hear i hear that a lot okay i'm gonna throw yeah. i want to throw some names at you and i want you to tell me little stories about him tell me about joe strummer joe i don't know what i could tell you we just got on knock a house on fire really um even uh, paul sim simner we got on more better than i did with the rest of them although i did with the rest of them but um we used to get along have a laugh with it who else can i tell you uh, Rancid, yeah. they were good because they, yeah, they was into the specials and uh, the Tim Armstrong and those guys, um, they used to come to some of my shows and I used to go with their shows and I've done uh, a song, not a song, a bit of DJ um, toasting on one of their songs, Real Big Fish, Planet Smashers. I've done a song with Planet Smashers. Okay. When uh, no doubt, yeah, I used, yeah, I used to like see them and knock around with them. Will I am? Really, your buddies with yeah, him? Yeah, but they were no, 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 no. I used to live across from them. Oh, but that's when they, it used to be called William. Yeah, <laughs> you knew him before. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before it turned to Will I am? Right, right. Okay. Black Eye. Yeah, Black Eyed Peas. Sure, sure. What about uh, the guys in Madness? Do you get along with them? Yes, we do. Yes, okay. we do. There's no animosity with them. Uh, when we see them, I've been to the show. My band supported them as well. Good. Yeah, but honestly, gosh, I get on with all bands. I get on oh, with, I believe it. I'm just, yeah, I'm just how I am. I, I'm just a people's person. I mean, if I do I go to a gig or if I'm in the restaurant and then, oh, it's Neville. Yeah. And can I be autograph? I don't say no, I'm eating. Yeah. I says, yeah, okay. And they say, no, wait till I finish eating. And I say, no, let's do it now. That's how I am. And people approach me and I don't 
I'm not like, oh, I'm never stable. <laughs> like I said, if somebody approaches me, I just go with it. Good. Okay. Well, um, I mean, you've just, you know, you're a, you're, uh, you're a legend and you've rubbed shoulders with all these other legends. And I'm just curious what stories, you know, come from these experiences. Um, so for, I usually close these out with some of the, a couple of the same questions I ask everybody. Number one, I want to know if you have any regrets, if there's anything that, you know, a decision that maybe you made in your career that you wish you hadn't, things might've turned out differently. Not that they didn't turn out great the way that they did. And then I just want to know what some, what your very best memory is when you sit back and you think about your life and your 40 year career, what is the most amazing story that pops to mind when you think about it? Well, you're going to give me time to think about that because there's so many, there's so many good things that's happened over the years being, being in a band. Yeah. Um, all right, playing in front of 80,000 people, um, being on stage with Amy Winehouse. She came and joined the specials on tour on, on the and the gig we're playing, about uh, 80,000, 60,000 people. So that was one of my uh, happiest moments when she joined us, the specials on tour. Bono, McCartney, I said hello to. I just love how I've done it, and I can't complain about it. If I was to do it again, I'll do it again, but I'll, I'll enjoy it a, bit, a lot more. Good. Well, uh, Neville, I love you a lot. You are a major uh, force in my life for helping me to um, experience music in a broader sense. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't discovered the specials when I was like 13 years old. And so I just want to mm. thank you for all the good stuff you've put out in this world. It made no, life yeah, better. There's no problem. No problem. And listen, look out for me in America because I should be over there in a couple of months' time. I will. I will for sure. There you have it. Neville Staple. <laughs> Amazing. I've mentioned this before. We did this on Skype and I could see him and he couldn't see me. And let me tell you guys, it is surreal looking at the face of this guy that changed your life musically and looking right in his eyes and watching him talk to you. It is unbelievable. They were huge for me. I hope you enjoyed that. That's what Neville Staples like. By the way, I found out after the fact that he wrote a book called The Original Rude Boy. I tried finding it on Kindle. It's not available, so I got to buy the hardback or something. But anyway, it's out there. If you guys don't know that already, check it out. It might be good. I don't know yet, but how could it not be, right? And if it's been a while since you touched on the specials or even Funboy 3 or his solo stuff like The Return of Judge Roughneck, if you like Scott, it is well worth your time to check out. I promise. Okay? Now, teaser for next week. We're going to be talking to a producer who has done a lot. But I'm a, I, I can't tell you who it is because I'm afraid you'll guess he is just not American. And I can't tell you where he's from because I'm afraid you'll figure out who it is. So, he defined an entire decade in this country in terms of music. It's a little bit of a rambling conversation. It's long. There's a lot of good stories in there. There's a lot of insider information that may not appeal to everybody. But if you love music, you probably will enjoy this conversation. Okay? Anyway, you know the deal. You can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there. Uh, me and Yan reply to everything. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And huge thanks, as always, to my partner, Yan the Man Makiewicz. Thank you, buddy, for everything you do. We'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Let's go.